With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. It's the opening weekend of the season, or it has been the opening weekend of the season, in which you have to fork out at least 50 quid to watch all the rugby that you want to watch. Yeah. And remember that some of that that you've paid 50 quid for will involve the Dragons and the Southern Kings. Yeah. Or indeed, Northampton. Or indeed, Northampton. <laughs> yeah. Don't want just to slag off the Pro 14. You're yep. right there, Josh. Um, we're back to walk you through the things that we find inter- interesting, rugby-related or not, quite frankly. Yeah. There's no barriers here. Over the long journey ahead, and which will come to an end next May when Saracens and Leinster win everything. <laughs> it's good. It's good to totally remove any sense of. Yeah. Of, you let's know, not pretend anything any, is happening. Yeah. Let's you know. Let's you know any kind of sense of excitement or or a journey into the unknown has been entirely wiped away. So yeah, congratulations, Saracens and Leinster. We are, of course, me, Lee Calvert of Blood and Mud, and over there is. Uh, I remain Josh Gardner of RugbyShipWatch.com. And this is the Blood and Mud podcast, the pod that looks into the pockets of rugby and stuffs them with empty sweet wrappers and chains that's no longer legal tender. You can get in touch with the pod, me at Blood and Mud or Lee at BloodandMud.com and anywhere else, really. Yeah. And what about you, Josh? Where do people go uh, you in this wonderful wide world out there? There's, there's at Josh Gardner for all of my, you know, incredibly funny witticisms about 
sort of making myself look like a sex pest and uh and at rugby shirt watch or rugby for me attempting to look a little bit more professional we are on Acast. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are also on Patreon for people who want to give us oh, a yeah, little, little bit of support, for which we will be forever thankful, and you'll get extra yes. stuff. Yeah, you can Patre- go patreon.com slash blood and mud. Yeah, Patreon subscribers will have got our <laughs> not in tall slapdash uh, instant reaction. Yep. Premiership, let's make predictions about the season on the basis of one game uh, po- uh, bonus podcast that we made last night. So uh, I hope you all enjoyed that. We did, yeah. We've had one. We've had one patron saying he, you know, he wanted a preseason person offers, a preseason wow. podcast offers. Because yes, there are other ones available. They wants to hear what we think about preseason. Well, you've got it now. You've got, you've got it. Got yeah. it now. You know, yeah. as a patron, yeah. we will actually talk about rugby, the things that we fucking do. For you. No, you fucking don't know. You're born, do you? Honestly. No. So welcome to all of you listeners and patrons, old, new, male, female, gay, straight, and as yet undecided. As the politicians say before they start, let's be quite clear about this, before wittering with a lack of clarity, we begin with a player spotted. This is where we ask you to send in where you've spotted players out and about. There you can get in touch with us at Blood and Mud or the DMs or whatever or Lee at bloodandmud.com if you want to send one in. James Reese slides delicately into the DMs to tell me and you and all of you out there I've got a bit of a mundane player spotted for you. Now, this is, this is already a strong start because we do like it mundane. Oh, yeah. I saw the Ospreys and Wales loose head Nicky Smith at Tesco self-service in Llansamlet. I mean, it scans. It's right around, it's right around the court. Well, you know, it's... it's where is Llansamlet? Where is I'm not sure. It is Llansamlet the one that's outside of Swansea? You keep looking at that and I'll say what's been going on with it. Of course so, it is, yes. It's just, it's like basically just like as you're going out from Morriston towards the M4. So that absolutely scans because, you know, that's not far from the Liberty. He's yeah. probably done a bit of training and he's, he's popped out for, to get his meal deal or whatever. Well, what was he buying? Was, oh, 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 hello. He was buying a chicken from the deli counter. Oh, see. Pre-cooked. And Hasn't looked, got time. Hasn't looked, got time. And looked extremely worried while doing so. God. Constantly is... looking over his shoulder. I can only assume he's making sure that the Cardiff Blues aren't following him. <laughs> I can only assume that as a professional rugby player, they probably frown on their athletes smashing an entire roast chicken in their faces. They'd probably rather that chicken be, you know, poached or grilled lightly as yes. opposed to... As but, opposed you know, to basted in sort of a barbecue <laughs> sweet sauce. Yeah, yeah. And having been sat on a deli counter for God knows how many hours stewing in its own grease. So there but, you go. You know, sometimes Nicky you Smith. just got to have what you have. Nicky you know, Smith looking point. very worried in a chicken-related scenario in Clan Samlet. That's I mean, what Player Spot is all about. That's borderline interesting, to be honest. Also, Alex McKee got in touch today. On the normal Twitter, he tweeted he was happy to keep it short. He said... I was in Brayhead Shopping Centre in Glasgow, which sounds, that sounds blinding as well. Yeah, yeah, straight off the bat. I, said, I was eating lunch and people watching when I saw Leonardo Sarto. Oh, what a good spot that is. Out shopping with his mum. Oh, see, that's phenomenal. So I said, well, come on, details, what bags was he carrying? And he said, I think it was a bag from Next, and then they went into Shoe. S-C-H-U-H. Sure, the one of the without doubt the most annoyingly named shop on the high street. I think last time I bought something from Shoe was a pair of base shoes. 
which absolutely picked, perfectly sets them in time as I bought them in the late 90s, doesn't it? See, I buy most of my shoes from Shoe, which probably shows that I'm either very trendy or very, very, very untrendy. I don't know which. While we're on them shoes, right? Yeah. My daughter's just said, can I have some Dr. Martins? And I went, yes, love. That's not a problem. No Absolutely. problem at all. Went right to the passage. shop. I was like, why the fuck are Dr. Martins £115 a pair? <laughs> they always were, though. No, Dr. Martins were always no, right, point right of order. When I, yeah. was a kid, when I was buying my DMs when I was 15 and a single-parent yeah. family and all that, yeah. DMs were about a tenner more expensive than normal shoes. They were more expensive, but they were true, fucking actually. astronomically expensive like they are now. They've obviously well, cottoned onto this whole capitalism and market thing, haven't they? So, Well, this is exactly the same reason why a pair of fucking Chuck Taylor Converse now costs £60. Pounds. When, when, I was a, yeah, when I was a teenager, they cost about 25 quid because nobody fucking wanted them. Yeah, they were roughly the same price as Dunlop Green Flash, which are now yeah. 40 quid a pair, by the way, <laughs> and that's what all the fucking jippy that's kids used to wear in school. That's an absolute fucking disgrace, that is. A pair of Vans Classics will cost you 50 quid and last literally seven minutes. <laughs> it's absolute It's an absolute scandal. That's why I buy the same pair of trainers every time I do it in a slightly different colour. Right, so anybody else got some shoe frustrations they want to get out before we start? That's not just me, right? Everybody gets to an age where they just go, right, I I like this pair of trainers, I'm just going to buy the same Um, pair. I haven't got to that point. I've got a few pairs of cons, so I suppose that could classify as the the same pair of trainers. I I refuse to wear runners. I'm not going down the Craig Doyle route of looking like a middle-aged man in shit running shoes who doesn't go running. I mean, I have bought the same pair of Nike SB Port War II trainers for the last two years. Are they runners looking or classics? I don't no, know. No, they're are. sort of vaguely skatey. But um, in that they. It's kind of on brand for you, that, though, isn't it? It is. It's very on brand for me, but I have bought the same pair of trainers four times now. So, anyway. Maybe, maybe it's time for me to change. I think it's going be, Josh. Think send your it. suggestions for what my new pair of trainers should be to. You're going to get Josh some God. fucking brilliant pictures sent to you on I Twitter cannot, now, aren't you? Cannot wait. Right then, before we sit down and get into the meat and two veg of this podcast. What did we just talk about oh, anyway? I don't know. Yeah, I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> um, let's decide who we're uh, going to sit next to down the clubhouse, shall we? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I, you went first last I did, week, yeah. So, so come on, give, us, give us a choice. Make it a good one, because they were dreadful Indeed. last time. They were. Um, so, your first option is the secret fullback. Right. Now, having noted the remarkable success of The Secret Footballer with his books and his TV programmes and his podcasts and his Guardian columns, he's, he's basically gone, I, can, I spotted a niche in the market here. So The Secret Footballer writes a tell-all blog where he exposes what's really going on behind closed doors at a rugby club. The problem is, um, there's, two, there's two problems with this plan, really. First... Nobody gives a shit about what it's really like to be a mid-table Dorset and Welts third South third choice fullback. And second, he's fucking dreadful at disguising his identity. So literally everybody at Fothering Wanderers knows exactly who he is and exactly what he's doing. So he's not secret and he's barely a fullback. Um, he's not a bad guy per se, but if you're going to sit next to him, you know that every any word you say to him, it'll be right on his fucking blog by tomorrow, you know? He sounds like... Um... When Ted in How I Met Your Mother pretended to be Dr. X, the DJ, and that nobody knew who he was. I don't know if you watch How I Met Your Mother. But that's, what, that's what he sounds like. And I've got a bit of a soft spot for Ted from How I Met Your Mother. So that's, that's a positive in some ways. So go well, on. 
Okay, then. Let's see. Your second option is uh, Reginald Filibuster Jones. Now, I'm now, already 80% of the way there with him. So Okay. Uh, he's a retired army officer and a veteran of 11 years' service in the second row for the club. Um, brilliant. He, he might have had to knock it on the head 20 years ago, but he's still fondly remembered at the club for his habit of bellowing in proper regimental sergeant major style, let's have it, you cunts, whenever <laughs> the team received a kickoff. Every time. Now, so in order... you, there's nobody going to tell me anymore. <laughs> well, well, say that. In order to keep the gag alive, you know, because it's been a while now since he's retired and it's kind of a legend at the club, but he doesn't want it to die. He wants, well, the, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. He wants the Colts to know who he is. So basically, <laughs> he's made it a bit of a catchphrase that he shouts directly into the face of anyone within five feet of him should be there any kind of game of rugby on, whether it's on the telly, whether he's watching from the stands. So... If you sit next to him, you may well go home both caked in spittle and partially deaf in one ear. So, I so think no, you see, I can live with that because I think you'd have a lot of good stories to tell. Absolutely. So, yeah, I'm going next to him. Reginald Filibuster Jones. Good stuff. Here's your two choices. Right. Number one, <clears throat> yeah. Albert Ringpiece. <laughs> right. He's 52. He still plays prop for the Ring of Brightwater RFC 2s because he doesn't have yeah. to train. He just turns up and plays. No, he just turns up. It's fine, yeah. The nickname comes from the fact that he wears jeans that reveal most of his arse. Oh, see. Um, and he once had a role. He once had the role of large man holding box in a crime watch reconstruction. Wow, okay. So that's Albert Ringpiece. Okay, I mean, colour me intrigued. And to be honest with you, the whole, the whole showing off too much of his arse thing... It's not going to be that much of a problem if you're, you know, sat, sat opposite. Yeah, yeah, sat yeah. next to him opposite. You know, he just wanted to be sat behind him. Second choice, Toledo George. Oh, hello. Refers to himself. Refers to be on board, by the way. Refers to himself in the third person as the matador of the senoritas. God. Yeah, see, it's going downhill now, isn't it? Yeah. Um, he always does to all the girls I've loved before on the club karaoke <laughs> nights. And he will call you muchacho all night, as in drink muchacho. Do you know what? I find that weirdly endearing. <laughs> I'm, I'm on board. I'm on board, muchacho. I'll take a Toledo seat next to Toledo, George. I certainly will. Albert Ringpiece can bore other people about his crime watch appearance for this evening. Indeed. Let us move on to the news. Now, we are recording okay, this. Now, the news. <laughs> Half past day on a Monday night. Now, let's just, let's just let the listeners know that we had a bit of a plan to talk about who's going to be, not who's going to be the first to go, but it's never too early to be in trouble. Yes. It was one of the well, things well, that well, you suggested yeah. that we talk about, isn't it? Yeah, it really isn't. And low. Holy shit. And low. <laughs> and low. Yeah. We are now too up. late to be in trouble, yeah. basically. Yeah. One game. One game he's lasted. This is Matt O'Connor from Leicester yes. Tigers, who obviously yeah. you will have heard has lost his job by the time you listen to this. Yeah. After one game. Fucking hell. Like, I mean... I want to know how the meeting goes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? When you pull somebody in and go, now, that was a bit shit, wasn't it, Matt? Yeah. You know, so what's your plan? We have absolutely no faith in your ability to turn this round after one result. (laughs) And after everything we knew about you last year, and then spending loads, letting you spend loads of money in the summer. Yeah, and the fact that you used to be the coach ages ago. We learned absolutely nothing. And... I mean, given how happy the Tigers brass have been to pull the trigger in the last few seasons on a coach, I wouldn't have been shocked if he'd gone like before they started the European campaign if things hadn't got better. Yeah. This is fucking absurd, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, there's a whole question. It's an interesting question. I think, to be honest, rugby's sort of strangely gallant 
way of keeping hold of coaches all the time and see wearing that as a badge of honor was quite frankly a little bit tedious. And we're I agree like, with that. And we're seeing like another way to wear a t-shirt with aren't we so much better than the people who play with the round ball written on I it. I completely agree there. So, however, however, <laughs> you know, so I don't think there's anything wrong with cutting your losses if it's really not going that well. Yeah. However, uh, yeah, this is just, but the thing with Leicester is, I mean, once you've started down this road, how do you stop? Once you've started sacking coaches this much? The one game. You are <laughs> yeah, a fan. Come back to the point. That yeah. wouldn't even happen. Has that ever happened in the Premier League in football? One game? I don't think it has. I don't think it has, no. And that's the Premier League, you know, where like millions upon millions are at stake. I mean, Matt O'Connor finished fifth last year. And was probably likely to do so again this year, yeah. or maybe sixth. You know yeah. what I mean? How I mean, bad can it playoff, be, really? They got playoffs. I know, I know they expect better than that, but many, many, many coaches have done worse and kept their jobs, you know? Like, it's... I mean, let's, let's be honest. Leicester are fucking shambles of the club right now, on and off the field. And it's quite sad, really, because they're a, a yeah, grand as much club. As- no, you know, they, they were always in the kind of same bucket as Munster for me in terms of that. I'm just They're not likable. Yeah. yeah, and I'm just sick of the winning and, you know, yeah. I didn't like the way they played rugby and and just stuff. And But again, I admire, you could do nothing They're but admire them. They were they solid. Were they knew what they were doing. Yeah. There was continuity. They had a solid group of players. And how quickly you can lose control how of it all, I suppose. Well, Needless to say, somewhere in Edinburgh tonight, Richard Cockerell is fucking pissing Were himself. Were they any better under him, though? This is the thing. It's easy to say that, isn't it? But I think they were, to be honest. Right, they so were. You... Yeah, go on, sorry. They were... Things would ob- probably come to a point where they were going to reach a natural parting of ways with Cockerell. But I don't think he... You know, it... Well, I suppose I the question would, for me is... The question I don't is, think you would ever have let it get this bad. This is the thing, isn't it? Actually, there's a kind of opportunity cost issue here, isn't it? Actually, what would is it any diff... Would it have been worse had you kept stuck with Cockrell? Cockrell, yeah. even. Almost certainly not. I mean, they might not have... Because they made the playoffs in the season after he got sacked, where they went through like three coaches, where they had Major and then they got O'Connor back in. But that was just a bizarre... There was quite a gap, though, wasn't it, between the top four and everybody <clears throat> that year, I think. And I'd also, have to go back and look, but... They didn't fucking get him. You know, it's not like they made it to the final. They made it to the top four and then got sent home. And then they finished fifth last year. Are you telling me that, like, Cockrell would have regarded a fifth-place finish as a complete fucking disaster? Yeah, or to, but to put it another way, they finished in, what, the top 30% of the league? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, or the top 40%, anyway. It's just bizarre. Well, they're still like well, three of the last four years. Ex uh, Leicester have been in the top four. You do have to worry, though. I mean, there's I, surely something must have canvassed the players because when you look, at, I didn't, as I said in the preview pod, I fell asleep while watching this game, but um, I have actually watched it again since. And there is, I mean, the number of tackles that were missed, the creativity that's in that midfield, well, in the it backs looks, generally, yeah. And they just don't look like they've got a single clue what they're doing. And, no. and, and all the missed tackles and stuff just seem to suggest that, and there's no line breaks and stuff, and it just suggests that they're either clueless or they don't want to play for him, or it's a mixture of both. And none of the three options are particularly, you know, positive, no. are they? And that's kind of why they are such a shambles. You know, they have 
it seems like the problems are literally everywhere. And I'm sure that, you know, they'll have a bump under Jordan Murphy, but, I mean, is it going to be, is it going to stop, you know, if there's a root and branch thing going on here and changing the coach every six months is, is probably not dealing with the sort of root of the issue. And I wonder if there's any kind of will in amongst the Leicester board and in what's the, the root of the issue for you because i know what it is i think for me i know what my opinion is um i think fundamentally there's there's obviously a huge issue with talent expectation at the top the very top they yeah. think they've looked at they look at the club and go we're leicester we should be winning stuff and then but they haven't recruited that well and they're not really and that's gone on to the coaches now. You know, they haven't recruited great players and then they've got pissed off with the coaches and then they've got rid of the coach and then they've got in a coach who's even worse than the person they got rid of probably. And yeah, for me, it's it's a it's a top-down thing, but I'm intrigued. What do you think? Um, I think they don't know how they're playing anymore. Yes. I don't think there's... I don't They've think, lost the Leicester way, haven't they? Even if even if they decided to change the Leicester way, that's fine. Yeah. But I what I don't know anybody who watches them and goes, I know they don't play like Leicester used to, but they do now play like this. Yeah. What you've got is a basically a complete fucking spaghetti well, spiral of a nightmare in there. You and look it, at how Exeter play, you know? Exeter used yeah. to play very similar, you know, that's why they kept kept fucking signing players from them. Exeter used to play like Leicester used to play, but they've evolved that style over the last couple of years to be much more dynamic and much more threatening, and they score a hell of a lot more tries than they used to. Hmm. And, yeah, to me, it sort of seems like you can trace it back to them bringing Aaron Major in under Cockerell to try and sort of make them play more expansive, exciting rugby, because obviously Cockerell's fucking thing is not that. And they obviously butted head massively. The Leicester board were determined that they were going to play this way. And so he went. And it's, the wheels have just gone wrong from there because they, they haven't had the players for it. Now they might have the players for it, but they don't have the coaches for it. And it's like, oh, God, what, what, where's the plan there? You know? And I think it's this thing again, because they, they got Eastman in the summer. You know, you've yeah. got Ford, May, Tamua, Manu, Eastman on the bench, Vianu at fullback. But then you look at what I mean. The big, what was Leicester's biggest, Leicester's biggest problem last year was, quite frankly, a totally bobbins back row most yeah. of the time. And they looked at the the solution they needed for that, and somebody decided that solution was David Denton. Denton, fucking hell, exactly. Now you I'm not saying he's actually had a decent bad. twelve months, David Denton, yes, up to this point. But he's not somebody you look bad. at and go. Yeah, he can solve our problem. And how much was the cost? I'm sure they could have looked somewhere else to get people. Well, they let they let what's his face, uh, Luke Hamilton, go, mm. so that they could. Who was one of the few fucking Tigers back rowers to have a really fucking good season last year, and they let him go to Edinburgh, and they let if they've replaced him with the man that he probably starts in front of in the Scotland team. Uh, well, that starts behind him in the Scotland team at the moment. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you look at somebody like Callum Afoni and it's like, oh, yeah, he's a big lad, you know, and he's a big hitter, but mm. he's a bit, 
watch him trying to fucking ta- tackle Santiago Cordero on the weekend. It was fucking laughable. <laughs> you know, and, and you look at players like Mike Williams and, and they've still got fucking Fred Tuilagi there and they've got Brendan O'Connor who's all right and Guy Thompson. It's a lot of meh. There's yeah, an awful that's true. lot of meh. And yeah. not a lot of dynamism. No. And that sort of goes, you can basically go from the props back Who's the fucking aside from Alice Genge? Yeah, who's got a bit of pasty when he's up and carrying on? Yeah, um, and and Blotter now, like everything from there backwards is just very fucking passive. And what was the point of signing? I mean, George Ford is a is a is a you know sparklingly talented <laughs> lad, but I don't understand how again you don't. I don't understand how their recruitment works. Do you know? Do you not I need think, somebody you can? Send? You know, what? their their recruitment to me stinks and not in a good way, of what the Ospreys have done for the last five or ten years, which is and is the, one of the big reasons why the Ospreys have completely fucking gone to shit. And that's because they, they assign players on reputation. They sign players to make a splash instead of signing players that they need, you know. And you look at signing players like fucking Ford or, you know, do they need Kyle Eastmond? Did they need Johnny May? Not that he's not played well for them. He's but, one of their you know, bright sparks, to be honest. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. You think about what he might have cost you, I suppose. But then again, yeah. he scored a fair few tries. But yeah, it reminds me of when um, Real Madrid was spending all that money in the Zidane yeah, period, the Glatzkoe period. They, remember that Perez said that they wanted to be a team of Zidanis and Pavonis, obviously Zidane, and then Francisco Pavoni was their homegrown yeah. centre-half. The biggest problem was, was that Francisco Pavon was fucking <laughs> terrible. You know, you so you, at, you've got to have a certain level of quality that that's, that props up everything else. And in rugby, it's even more important because you've got to have a certain level of quality and a certain level of game plan that allows your superstars to do what yeah. they do. And you look at the players who've left, you know, they've lo- they let, you know, Luke Hamilton go. They let Harry Thacker join Bristol and, si- and spent fucking- God knows how much money on fucking Pilotta now. Like, how much money must Pilotta now be And that's the thing, the- is, it could, Pilotta now is undoubtedly a little bit, is better than Thacker. But is yes. he so much better? You go, It's the old value over replacement thing, isn't it? Yeah. You know, is he, you know, Pilotta now must be spectacularly overvalued. Yeah. And they've let, like, a, a sort of solid prop like Mulapola go to Newcastle or George McGuigan go to Newcastle. It's, it's... Yes. It's just not good, is it? So um, I suppose you come back to the point is... Who makes the signings? Was Matt, yeah. was Matt O'Connor yeah. make the signings? Yeah. I, I don't I know is the answer. I don't know. They've I got doubt a, it. A director of rugby does all that. And uh, it's just a, a mess. And to be honest, I, it doesn't do anybody, it doesn't do the league or England any favours, actually, to have Leicester being a bit poo. No, it genuinely doesn't. And I don't know where they go from here. You well, know? I know what they'll do. They'll, they'll go on a worldwide search for a coach, won't they? <laughs> But is it the same? And what? And they'll sign the same one that they signed last year. Well, they'll just give it to Jordy Murphy in two months, won't yeah. they? Yeah. And like, I just don't get where where their their eventual plan is from a recruitment point of view. You know, signing players like Gaston Cortez, who's thirty-two years old and from Bristol. You know, you don't want a prop who was playing in the championship last season as one of your signings of the summer do you you know it's yeah. so muddled and it's so all over the place but yeah there we go so Matt O'Connor's gone yeah have we got he any gone. other news 
Charles Piatow is out until the end of October, but that could have been worse. He's not fully uh, shoulder knacked. He's only medium to low end shoulder knack. No, it looks like you're only probably because of Europe and internationals. You probably only miss like four league games, and two of those are away to Quinns and away to Saracens and away to Gloucester. So, I don't think he was going to fucking. Certainly wasn't going to help them win a game against Saracens, was he? So, yeah. The one, the big one that he's missing is away to Northampton, which looks eminently winnable after <laughs> this weekend. So, God, yeah. Um, yeah, they could have used his quality, but you know, it could have been a lot worse. They lost the fullback on Friday night, though, so fuck knows who's going to stop. Yeah, he was. Um, yeah, because did Morahan go to fullback then? Yeah, I think he, he did, did all right there, though, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, that's true. So maybe that's the plan until Charles maybe. comes back. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right, what else have we got in the news? The WRU have admitted they may pull national dual contracts as part of a new deal with the regions. Yeah, and people are shitting themselves about this. As if, oh my God, they're going to take the money away. They're not. They're not taking the money away. They might take the players away. You yeah, know. the point they're making is that they need to develop players, and if this is not the best way to do it, then they might yeah. do it another way. They're not saying it's definitely going. I think they're just saying it. They're saying everything's they're saying all, on the they're table. Saying, yeah, everything's on the table. Maybe they'll give the regions more money and take central contracts out of the equation. Maybe they'll go fully centrally contracted. Maybe they'll stick with what they're doing. It's not a big fucking. It's not worth. So the new deal's nearly happened. Martin Phillips sort of said we're on the jester's shoes stage. Yes. Didn't say that, he said, but at the crunch stage, that's filth that I've just said. Um, They're into the final details, but I hope in the next four to six weeks we'll have a new way of working. How many new ways of working is this now in the past Uh, five years? At least the third or fourth way of working. Yes. But it does actually feel like for all of the, you know, there's there's definitely a vibe of, of, you know, takeover via soft power happening here with the WRU, you know, because a lot of the people, the new Cardiff Blues chairman is matey with my, the WRU chairman bloke. Martin Phillips. Yes. Um, the guy who's supposed to be coming in the Ospreys is kind of one of his as well. And it's like, obviously the Dragons are fully WRU owned. It's sort of looking, on the one hand, it's good because it means that the regions and the WRU are not absolutely at war anymore. Hmm. And the WRU have basically gone, can you fuck off these people who just want to shout at us and get some people in there that will actually work with us <laughs> as, as adults, please. Um, which is, you know, it's fine and good, but you do look at it and thinking, yeah, there's there's only one way that's going, isn't it? And it's the island model, which, I, you know, I'm not necessarily sure is a bad thing. But well, where does the funding come from? Well, yeah. If you go the it's, island model, Wales has to have three, has to have three teams. Yeah, probably. I but you know, that's well, you have you have three teams, and a, I mean, the, the plan that I've heard rumblings of is their plan is for two, four teams, but two of them are effectively development regions, which would be fucking disastrous. But I don't know; these things can. Well, maybe we'll come back to that. Yeah, but you know, yeah, okay. We'll see. at the end of the day, if well, rugby still exists in five years' time, then we'll see that it's probably worth it. So, yeah. Last bit of news, Cornell Dupree has broken his larynx. Oh, God, that's horrible, isn't it? I never really thought about the, the larynx before, but it's is, no. it's obviously a bone, if you can well, break the, it, oh, is it? I, I enjoyed on the BBC News story, it had the story, and then the second paragraph was, what is a larynx? <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, you know, I was I didn't, I didn't I knew what sort of what it was, but I, I, I learned some shit. Like you say, I didn't know there was bone and cartilage involved there. 
I didn't know My favourite bo- bony cartilage bit of the body, I think I mentioned this before, is the ziphoid process. <laughs> you have mentioned this I've before. I've mentioned before, yeah. It's that, it's that like cartilagey bit that's at the bottom of your sternum, the ziphoid process. What a fantastic name. Is that even just... a process? It makes no sense to me, that. But, you know, doctors know, <laughs> doctors know better trust, than me. So. Trust the process, all right? Trust the, yes. <laughs> ziphoid or otherwise, you must trust the process. So, yeah, good, uh, best wishes to him. It sounds fucking horrendous. <laughs> And I, I want no part of ever breaking my speaking, larynx. Or speaking of trust the process, sorry, just reminding me, how, how, what amazingly good value Alex Sanderson is every time he's on the telly. Oh, well, my first fucking good this month, but let's talk about it now. If you're going to do a mid-half interview, do it exclusively with defence coaches literal seconds after your side has conceded a really soft try as he did on Sundays <laughs> because he was like so Alex how do you feel about the try and he's like well anger frustration despair to be honest <laughs> yes but he was on for about 10 minutes after the game as well and he was great he's just yeah, so, every, I've never mentioned it before but he is just outstanding value every time he's on a telly you could hear the absolute was he just spat despair and then they, they talked to him for about 5 minutes afterwards and you could just see the he was spitting the seething fury in his voice he was like we've worked on it all week we've worked on it all week and they've just they've just missed it. They've just missed. You know, if you're guard around the ruck, your one job is to stop somebody doing that. We've worked on it all. Guard around the ruck, that's your one job. We're just working on that all week. Kept going on. We've worked on it all week. It's the thing that we do. It all, and they were, oh, this was amazing. I loved it. That's that's what I want from my mid-half interview. Yes, Exclusively that. So the rest of the whole rest of the season will be terrible. Absolutely, because he's the exception. Him and I think Jerry Flannery, the kind of exceptions Flannery that prove the rule. Yeah, fair play. Uh, right then, so that's the end of the news. Is there anything, anything else? No, I think that's it. Right then, Move. now, as you know, listeners, we normally go into at this point what we've learned from the weekend. That was what we used to always do. However, um, as you know, we had a tendency during that pro that section to nebulously ramble on like a man full of regret drinking alone and monologuing to a Weatherspoon's bar staff on a Tuesday <laughs> afternoon. So a new future. <laughs> so a new feature for this year is the tight five. We're calling it. Yes, because we're going to try and keep it to five rough points. I mean, we're almost certainly still going to yeah. go off one, but we're trying to impose some sort of structure. We've already on talked us. about footwear. Let's be honest. So you know, yeah, I mean, we are talking. You know. Sandcastle in a tidal wave levels of, of probability here, but let's see how it goes. So, yeah, so f- the tight five number one, Josh yeah. Go. Yes, so we're going to pick five things for every week. This is how this is going to work five talking points, two each. And I think we said we might let our, pat- our patron people vote on. We're going to both present one for the fifth one, and you guys can vote on which one you want us to talk about. So, yeah, that'll be fun. Anyway, if we can ever friend. be asked doing that, we will definitely yes, do that. We definitely yes. will. Um, okay, so my first one is... Shoot. Um, it's still Ireland's world, and the rest of the Pro 14 are just living in it. Yes, explain. Uh, well, Leinster, Munster and Glasgow have deeper squads and deeper pockets than the rest of the league, and it shows. Um, but three of the four Irish provinces kicked off their campaign with a win, and the one that lost Connacht can feel, to be honest with you, massively aggrieved that they didn't have a five-metre scrum to work a drop goal or a penalty right at the end because Stuart Hogg 100% took the ball over the line when he dabbed it down for a 22. <laughs> anyway, 
And what I'm saying is the road to the success in the Pro 14 massively still goes through Ireland. And even, you know, it's definitely a case that, particularly in Wales, but with the Scottish teams as well, they've increased their funding. They've got better depth than they had in the past. But the Irish teams are just in the driving seat in terms of squad depth. You know, look at look at what Leinster sending a, a, a total second string team to the Blues and winning um, against a near full strength Cardiff team. Munster sent out a team that was missing like Omani, Tad Byrne, Sander, Connor Murray, uh, Carberry was on the bench and they nailed the cheaters at home. And, and then Ulster, who've been so up and down for the last couple of years, they beat the Scarlets despite they didn't have Rory Best, they didn't have Jacob Stockdale. They've still just got better depth. They just, for all the strengthening and improvements of the other Pro 14 teams this off-season, and it's clear that there has been some, particularly in Wales, they're playing catch-up. and they Do you don't know what other country won both of their games this weekend, though? Who? Italy. Oh, yes. For the first time ever. Zebra but, and Treviso both won. So, therefore, won. it could be Italy's world. And the Italy's. rest of us are just going yeah. to be living in Who knows? Yeah. Uh, the first time ever that both Italian teams have won on opening weekend. Good for you, but it must have been the first time ever they've played the fucking drunken Keystone Cops shambles that is the Dragons. And, and the Kings. The drunken yeah. Keystone Cops cousin <laughs> shambles of the Southern Kings only one weekend. Yes. But, yeah, I just think you look at this league and you just think, well it's going to entirely be dependent on whether the Welsh and Scottish teams can win any games against Irish opposition while their internationals are away because it's the same. And that in itself is the frustrating same old story of the Pro 14, regardless of how much they change it. It makes a sort of... um, A lot of people like to make the point that the Mm. Pro 14 is a lesser standard of competition in terms of consistency, right? Yeah. Compared to the Aviva Premiership. Mm-hmm. And you end up in this kind of Schrodinger's competition world with people who want to have a go at the Pro 14, where it's apparently yeah. a terrible competition that's dead easy to win in, and yet the teams that do very well in it win the European Championship and their national team is the best one in Europe. Yes. So you end up in this Schrodinger's situation, well, yeah, because the league's a load of shit, they can do this. But it said, yeah, but if you follow that logic through, it means that the comp- you know, it's always yeah. been accepted that the stronger the domestic competition, the more you're going to win. So either that's bollocks or it's bollocks <laughs> yeah. that the Pro 14 is is weak. Well, to borrow a sort of football analogy, if that was the case, then Paris Saint-Germain would win the Champions League every year instead of getting knocked out in about the quarterfinals like they always do. Yeah. Because they've got they've got a squad that would be look decent in any league in Europe but they play in an absolute fucking Mickey Mouse competition. And, yeah, it's just not the case no. that, you know, the Pro 14 is a good league. The problem it has is that there's too many, too often, there's too much of a financial imbalance in the league for starters. And too often teams are being sent out shorn of the marquee players that everybody wants to watch. But it doesn't mean that they're still not very good leagues and they still, and the standard of competition isn't very good. It's just, it misses those those grandstand stars. Yeah, well, I guess. there's probably six teams who are good enough to to drive the quality to the level it needs to be for mm. then when you go to European competitions, isn't there? It doesn't yeah. have to be well, quite clearly, it doesn't have to be 14, 12, 14 teams who are all taking points off each other to create a situation where the best team in the league is one of the best teams in the world. No. You just have to have a certain level of, you know, and let's not pretend that 
extra sec- uh, that Leinster's second team didn't get a fucking stern workout from the Blues on the, because they absolutely should have lost that game, you know. But they showed a remarkable bit of tenacity and quality to come back and, and win it. Mm. It's it's and you know Ulster got a hell of a test from a, a massively depleted Scarlets team, but the difference is that they were both depleted teams, but the Scarlets just were too depleted because they don't have that strength in depth, despite the fact that they've turned their fucking shirt into a bloody free ads page in order to try and get some more money to to pay for more players. And then they've obviously got a good depth. But they turned yeah, their shirt into that billion dollar website. Do you remember that one? The million dollar website, <laughs> the guy yes. who sold every pixel on the screen back in the yes. early 2000s. Oh, those days of the internet, weren't they? Um, when the so, internet was this weird thing where you could do all kinds of things to make money. Mind yes. you, you could do that now because you can just slag people off on YouTube and then get paid millions to have a boxing yeah. match with them. Oh, Fuck just me. Yeah. Um, oh. I had a point then and I've lost it. Uh, oh, bloody YouTube boxing's pulled me off my point. <laughs> Well, anyway, what's your first type five? Yeah, my first type five is uh, people will focus on Daphne Cipriani's wonderful pass and a few other things. Uh, however, I think if we're honest, yeah, leading on from my last point, really, the quality across the Premiership this weekend wasn't very good. No, it had the feeling of a, a very much a first weekend from a lot of teams. Like the the you Bristol know. crowd was outstanding. The, game the was, skills in the game were fucking abysmal. People were talking about it like it was one of the best Premiership games ever. I was flabbergasted. It was fucking shite. I was. I mean, uh, you, I mean, you saw you know, you a saw, bit of a drama finish. Fine. Yeah. But generally, absolutely. it was exciting. It was compelling. Yeah. But I was watching four games at the same time, and I was more. And I mean, obviously, I'm an Ospreys fan, but like, I was more interested in the Ospreys game, which was fucking dire as well, by the way. I found that more engaging than I found Bristol well, back. I mean, the, their handling was fucking appalling, right? And people yeah. can sort of say, oh, well, you know, they're like drunk chimps in a hall of mirrors trying to catch a ball. And it's like, people say, oh, well, they're quite rusty. It's like, well, I thought, no. If a surgeon <laughs> comes back off having a month's holiday and fucking drops a scalpel <laughs> into somebody's wound, that's not acceptable, is it? No, they're probably going to... Yeah, oh, sorry, I cut your wrong arm off, mate, but I'm a bit rusty. I've been off for a month. Do you know what I mean? It's just an absolute fucking joke. You know, the apologism, operation jitters, the apologism you know? that people come up with to try and justify the fact that, no, it was just a bit shit, and that's yeah. fine because it's yeah. sport and we're human. Just say that it yeah. is. Stop making these ridiculous excuses up about, well, it's, it's okay for professional athletes to constantly drop the fucking ball. <laughs> You need to take a breath, Ellie. I'll have a, I'll put my hands on my hips. I'll have a minute. After me, five curly whirlies this weekend. That's finished me up. <laughs> See, that's that is the thing. Like I, I was what a lot of teams you looked at and gone. You need to fucking unregress quite rapidly. You know, we're talking Worcester, we're talking Wasps, Northampton, Bath. Yeah. I mean, Saracens didn't play brilliantly, Sale. but they looked like a competent group of yeah. players yeah, yeah but they, they had still core rusty. skills that worked and things yeah but they looked rusty as yeah, well but there's honest. a difference between looking yeah. a bit rusty because your moves aren't quite working yeah and not being able to do the fundamental things you'd yeah, expect a first team player oh. in division four southwest to yeah. fucking do yeah i mean bath in particular was a, a shambles to be honest i don't understand how a team that good and honestly that that brings me to the point that we were going to make that we've kind of had to rapidly fucking rejig, yes. which is, <laughs> yes. I mean, it's clearly 
it's never too early for a coach to be on the hot seat. Uh, and indeed, never too early for One that seat to go up in fucking game. Yeah, there's <laughs> never too early for that seat to go up in flames. Um, <laughs> but like Todd Black, you know, Todd Blackadder and Bernard Jackman are both still employed today. But they should look at what's happened to Matt Connor and go, I'm going to spend some time with my CV tonight. And, you know, just, just really work on that font and really work on the borders, you know. But um, he doesn't have to worry Steve Diamond because he can sit there and yeah. go, Steve, <laughs> um, do you want to consider your position, Steve? No. No, Steve, I don't. Fuck off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, like, yeah, Blackadder, fucking hell. Like, he really needs to start making Bath look like the Crusaders at some point. He did a Very bit last good. season. I reckon he he's, he's got season. more in the bank than Matt O'Connor has. I have because there were flashes of it last season. But you look at it and you think that they haven't got better since he was there, really. That Joe Cock and a Seager went backwards at a rate of knots, didn't he? Fucking hell, and A couple yeah. of decent runs, and it was like then it was like oh. But he's young. But like he you is young. At, he is young. You look at a team that's got a back row of Toby Faletau, Sam Underhill and Guy Mercer with Francois fucking low on the bench. Yeah. There is no excuse to losing. That, you know, yeah. Bristol, for all of their fucking piss, vinegar and emotion, were not very good, really. They they, they should not have been losing to a team like... We joke about no brew, no clue, but honestly, like, what's this team doing? Where are they going? What, what is his... In the same way that you say, what are lads... What, is Leicester's game plan. What's Bath's game plan? They did look a bit like the Crusaders last year a few times, and I think there's probably enough that that he's not getting a sack because they obviously know what he's trying to do. And he does seem to have made some, to pick up your point of view you just mentioned, some reasonable signings. Yeah, I mean, you look at that, and obviously they're missing Anthony Watson and they're missing Jonathan Joseph. Yes. Which is, is fair enough, to be honest. Like, that team will work a hell of a lot better with Jamie Roberts and Jonathan Joseph than it will be with what they've had on the weekend. To be honest with you, Jamie Roberts, as much as he still likes to hit like a fucking train, I know who got the better of that swap between uh, him and um, the guy who went to Quinns, whose name is just totally... for Tapuai, who had, uh, who had quite a reasonable game, <laughs> didn't he? A reasonable game on the weekend, yeah. You know, I, straight from, you know, instant reaction. I know we've got the better half of that swap. Um, yeah, so I, I just know. And, and obviously, Bernard Jackman, fucking hell. <laughs> Expectations are so low there. What's his next excuse going to be? I've inherited a oh. shit squad, lads. Can't yeah. anything with this. They're not fit built, enough. I built a shit squad, lads. I uh, built a squad, lads, but they've not had time yet. Yeah. So how much time, I suppose, isn't it? That's the thing. The it's countdown like clock. Got, He's got a substantially better set of players in terms of most of his first 15 now internationals. Can he keep being this bad for a whole season and keep his job? Maybe, but it's still not looking good, is it? No. No, not at all. What else have you... Oh, no, you've come on to yours, haven't you? We've got one left, haven't we? Yes. I think we've both got one each, and I think we were going to just do them because, fuck it, it's, it's the start of the season. Right, do you want to go for yours now? Okay, well, mine is quite... We kind of talked about it anyway, but like, two, I think I genuinely think two teams, are, two new teams are going to have the pleasure of losing to Saracens and Exeter in the <laughs> semi-final of this season. Like, you know, it's been Exeter, Saracens, Wasps for the last three seasons. 
with Newcastle or Ex- or Leicester thrown in there. But I don't think that's going to happen this season. Gloucester look weirdly shit. And I just, I know it's early days and we have absolute form for jinxing the shit out of these things. <laughs> but you look at Gloucester and you look at Quinns this weekend and they, they hit the ground running. Do you mean Gloucester are weirdly good? Weirdly, yeah. Yeah, you said weirdly shit. I got confused. Oh, oh, yeah, well, I'm just used to, like, saying shit, obviously. <laughs> when um, it comes to Gloucester, it's just a word yeah. association game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, they, both the Quinns and Gloucester both hit the ground running. They looked very impressive. And but also, they've got they've got quite a lot to come. Like, you look at Quinns, the players who weren't even in that match day 23, Kyle Sinclair, James Horwell, uh, Matt Loamanu, Francis Saili, Alofa Alofa, uh, that trackless, trackless guy, Tatrakilis. Uh, Tim Visser, you know they mm, are they. True. They absolutely. It just shows, smashed. doesn't it? It must be easier to coach an Aviva Premiership team when you're not on the verge of a hypoglycemic attack most of the time, <laughs> which is obviously <laughs> you know because but Gustav's fit as a fiddle, isn't he? He's gonna be all right. Absolutely. Oh, Roger, and he's got a bear. He's brought a bear in for God's sake. Oh you know, yeah, I heard about this. Bear, he's brought a bear, bear in. Bristol Bears bear have won. Yeah, it's it's happening. Bears are taking over. But then you look at Gloucester and you think everyone's, like you said, everyone's banging on about Cipriani. Yeah, it was a good pass. He played well. Saints were uh, absolutely fucking dreadful. But you look at, they've got Jesse Creel to come back, to come into that team. They've got Franco Mostot. They've got Gerban Grobler from Munster. They've got Ruan Dreyer coming in. And I you think, think this is going to be quite the season for Jake Paledri. Yes. That's the thing. That squad looks very good and deep anyway. You add... You know, four fucking spring box effectively. That's not going to make them worse, is it? You, and you take Billy, <laughs> you take Billy Twelve Trees out of there and stick Jesse Creel in instead. That's probably an upgrade. Did you see Twelve you Trees know? on Saturday? He's, his hair look—he's like he's had his hair bleached and he's been to the That's, like the buffing shop. Tell you what, he's had a fucking good old. He's had a lovely he's summer, hasn't he? Summer, he's he? Yeah. I did notice that throughout the league. To be honest, there were quite a few people that I went. You've had a nice holiday this summer, haven't you? <laughs> Even Alan Wynne Jones looks quite tanned. What else have we got here? Last thing that I've got. Right, well, you mentioned Quinns there, right? And I'm going to be bold, right? I'm going to yeah, be bold yeah, here. Yeah. My final type fact. I think it might be time for England to bite the bullet and go with Marcus Smith. Hello. Now, I'm not normally that big on hyperbole, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And, to, and it's not because of hyperbole I'm going for it, because actually, I used to play with a guy who used to talk about at our club. There, there'd be no out. This how his voice was like. He used to go, There is no outstanding candidate. He wasn't Melvin Bragg, but that's what he used to sound like. <laughs> there is no outstanding candidate. He used to say, Nobody, um, he and when you've got no outstanding candidate a year out from a World Cup, right? Yeah, Cipriani's you know, I'm not saying he's not an option, but he's not an outstanding candidate. George Ford is slowly having a mental breakdown, absolutely. Um, Farrell is looks like he's nailed on it. 12, 12. There, and he's got yeah. no other 12 he fancies having a look at. Nope. Pierce Francis? <laughs> <laughs> I fancy having a look at him. I fancy having a look at him <laughs> fucking walking away and never coming back. Um, the So I think something about Farrell at 12, Lazowski at 13, and Smith at 10. Yeah, Lazowski needs is a 13, by the way. He 100% is a 13 now. He looks absolute fucking mustard. And I don't understand why Eddie refuses to even try him there. So it's a year out from a World Cup. Yeah. All right. I know he's only nineteen. I know, but when you've he's done eighteen months of performing pretty well. Yeah. The trouble is, 
the media won't keep the hyperbole down. If you could somehow no. come in and it not be fucking insane, this yeah. could be perfect. The other Maybe thing, I'm going to get a bit carried away. But if you said to I... me, would you rather see Marcus Smith having a go in the yeah. in the Autumn Internationals or George Ford having another go? I know I know what my answer is. So I think he absolutely deserves a shot in one of those games. Um, the problem that I think is going to stand against him is that he might. I think he's got a bit of the Arwell Thomas about him. They might just send a monster down his channel. Yeah, because he's twelve stone and five foot nine. You know. Yeah, I suppose. A, a test as, as good as he is, and probably needs to bulk up a bit because he is going to get. How big's Bolden Barrett? I'm not. I'm, please, I'm not comparing Bowden. him talent wise to Bolden Barrett. I'm just. I'm curious. Barrett is tall. That's the is, it, is it because like his whole family are much about eighteen foot tall, so he looks like he's quite small. <laughs> Bowden Barrett is six foot two and fourteen and a half stone. Jesus, that just shows you the size he's of the bastards he's surrounded by, though, doesn't it? He bad. looks like a normal sized, yeah. like he's average sized bloke. Surrounded by, I mean, Geordie Barrett is six five and playing fullback <laughs> because life is stupid. And Scott's six six. Yeah, I didn't think he was as small as what Smith was, but I didn't think he was that big. No, yeah, he's one of, in the same way that Dan Bigger is like much taller than he looks, because Bigger's like six two or six three. Don't worry, he'll shrink down as the year goes on. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, his posture will <laughs> just see him just hunch over into a state of <laughs> petrified misery as the year goes on. So oh, yeah, that, so that you know, I've thrown that, that out there. It's that, probably a stupid idea, but I you know, think I think it's it's, it's coming from a sense of despair. Idea. But I think it's something that they should try in at least one of those autumn games. Well, they should have Cipriani and then him on the bench. Fuck it, why yeah. not? Well, yeah, go full razzle-dazzle. It's not in Eddie's <laughs> fucking playbook, but I imagine having a full coaching team is probably in his playbook. And <laughs> I so, yeah. yeah. So there you go, the end of the type five. Thank you very much. We will that's ask for your nominations. Was it six? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I okay. Anyway. Anywho. You might hear the word insolvency and think companies, but insolvency is just another term to describe serious financial problems for anyone. You could be insolvent if you can't pay your bills in full when they're due, you're paying a little off each bill trying to keep creditors at bay, or you've had calls and letters about missed repayments and threats of repossession. The Insolvency Service of Ireland, or ISI, has four debt solutions to help people with all levels of problem debt, from credit cards to mortgages. For more information, visit backontrack.ie or free text get help to 50015. The ISI. Together, we'll get you back on track. ACAST recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good families and children respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. I think it's time to open a book. Well, not a book, but open the pages once again of that venerable rugby institution Mm -hmm. known as the Blood and Mud Challenged Cup. 
Oh yes. It's been it's been a long old summer without it. We've been sitting here wondering, you know, somebody hasn't this... had, somebody hasn't had a summer without it. <laughs> well, the dragons have had a summer. You know, every day they've been sat in that they've been sat in the room in Rodney Parade. You know, looking at film with the with the CPC just not the CBC, I should say the Challenge Cup just <laughs> the, the CPC somewhere in fucking Russia. Yeah, um, who knows? The Challenge Cup just sat there, you know, taunting them. Been there, they, they haven't. It was supposed to be different this time, you know. This season was supposed to be different. And to be honest, when Dav Howell scored a try for the Dragons against Teresa after five minutes, I thought, you know what, this is it. This is the new Dragons. They're gonna toss the fucking challenged cup into the into the mud next to the trampled faces of the Teresa players, and they're gonna, you know, grow a couple of inches and fucking walk heads held high from Rodney Parade. Uh, no. Somehow, that team, which I say again, they haven't won a competitive game since the 3rd of March. It's a main game. And they contrive to lose at home to Chiriso. They keep it for another week. And uh, next up, the Kings at home. Oh, come on. They have to fucking win that. With, with Ross Moriarty set to make his first appearance. Oh, surely. If it ends up with the Kings, surely. though, it's never coming back, is it? Well, that's the yeah. Oh, fucking, hell, that's a good point. That this could be an Olympic level. Oh God, yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. We might have to get a new bloody. Cup oh, I'm not again. creating another one. We'll have to just fucking draw the line <laughs> under after that. I'm sorry, everybody. Yeah, we'll just it's it. We'll say that it's completely run its course at this point. Um, but yeah, if you wanna wanna follow the, uh, what is the bloody Twitter handle? I never fucking you know. You never know, do you? Is it the Challenged Cup? Is it the CPC Cup or something? The CP it Cup. Used to, it used to be the CP Cup, and then it was the... Fuck me. We should... Re- I, uh, it shows how... You can tell we're losing interest in it, ladies and gentlemen, I think is I think is, is what this is saying. We're doing BM, our best, but... It's BM, at BM Challenged Cup on Twitter, if at you want to... BM Challenged Cup, there you go. The abs- the, the if you've got as much enthusiasm about it as we still have, then please go to the... <laughs> But I'd just like it to not be with the Dragons, because I'm bored of just following their futility. Yes. I mean, at least the Kings would add a certain sort of frisson of exotic excitement. Those bloody Russians ruined it all again. They fucking did, actually, didn't they? Right, then, let's move on to the shit good ratings to finish off let's, this first pod of the that. season. Uh, yes. What do you want to do first? Uh, should we do good first? Oh, OK. Well, I'll yeah. start, then. I've got a good Stephen Lewitsua. Mm-hmm. Before I get on to how well, he played very well, right? But let me get it's this. Like a how, train, with his face that yes. looks like that, is he only 27 years old? I know. It's like, it's like him and George Smith have sort of been doing some sort of weird portrait of Dorian Gray thing where George Smith looks exactly the same age as he did about 15 years ago and Stephen Lewitua looks 700 years old. And did you know that Stephen Lewitua's full name is Dolph Stephen Luatua. <gasps> That's incredible. Yes. Why is he not called Dolph? Dolph. Everyone knows what he's been named for. Come on. Born in what, 1991? Yeah. There's only one person he's named after yeah, there, isn't absolutely. there? Absolutely. So, wow. Oh, see, Dolph Luatua. 
absolute missed opportunity there. Oh, I love him even more now. But yes, that lovely crinkly raisin of a face with a full beard. I love Glorious. Him. I, love it. I mean, when I, I really liked him when he played for uh, the Blues, Blues, to be honest. Yeah. Playing against a lot, didn't he, last year? Yes, he did. Long, yeah. I thought, I thought, fucking hell, he's way too good. <laughs> he's like way too good to play for Bristol in the Championship. And yes, he was. But all so, the uh, money. But all the money indeed. Steve, you look at that back row and you look at Jack Lamb, Stephen Luatua and and uh, George Smith. Is It's just loads of fun, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, but he's great. Anyway, yeah, so that's, that's a good indeed. for me. Where have you go? Uh, first good for me is Clement Auvergne. Um, they scored 107 points in two games, uh, including putting 40 on Racing away from home on, on the weekend. Um, away wins against good teams don't really happen in the top 14. So it's kind of like, oh God, last season's catastrophe. You know, they, they missed out. They missed out on the playoffs. They missed out on the Champions Cup last year. It was the disaster. And now like a big fucking yellow, incredible Hulk. Um, we would not, nobody else is going to like them when they're angry. And this could be a, a, a boot smashing on face for all eternity kind of season for them. Colin McBride got in touch on Twitter and said good was Claremont. And I love this very to the point thing he said about why. Claremont, good, absolutely twatted Rassing in their in their weird three-sided stadium. <laughs> it's to be fair. <laughs> I, I, the more I see of that weird three-sided stadium, the more it kind of grows on me for its absolute batshitness. I've, I've mentioned this before, but it reminds me of Bolton Wanderers' old stadium, Burnham yeah, Park, yeah. which had the Normid Superstore at one end behind the goal. <laughs> I wish they had a sort of low-rent fucking supermarket. I wish the they'd just end. put a picture of that up on that big screen when they play the, norm- <laughs> the Bolton Normid Superstore. Uh, other goods from you? What else we got this good uh, from Twitter, actually? Uh, Tom George got in touch and he said, good was Val Rapava Ruskin joining Jake Paledri-, Paledri in unlocking beast mode at Gloucester. Yeah. Also good was refs marching players back 10 for black chat. Indeed. Because uh, Spreaders ten. has passed it down that he's he's not happy and it needs to start happening again. All in favour of it, to be honest. Uh, yeah. I think I said on Saturday, Rapava Ruskin sounds like a dodgy vaudeville act that might be yes. in blackface or something. And do you remember Teddy Ruxpin? Teddy, Teddy Ruskin? Ruskin. No, yeah, no, you showed Teddy. me a picture then. I, 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 I recognise it, but I don't it was remember It a weird it. Teddy from the 80s that used to, you could put a tape in him and he'd tell you mm. stories. It was creepy. Creepy American well. voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, what else you got yeah. uh, a couple of good ones from Twitter I'm just uh, looking through them um, basically everybody who's drawing attention to the current uh, Sam Warburton oh yes Stuart Barnes schooling Stuart Barnes. Sam Warburton has been a member of the media inverted commas um, <laughs> for exactly one week and he is already having to fucking clean up after Stuart Barnes shitting the bed it's <laughs> Why is he still even involved in it? This guy doesn't have any rugby anymore. What is he still doing now? Could he not just go away? I like that Warburton responded to it with like in one, two, three yeah. points numbered with a tick yeah. at the end of every point yeah. as if to say, yes, like, that one's like, correct. I've marked that one correct and I've just fucked. said. Yeah, fucked again. It was delightful to be honest. And it's very obvious that Barnes has got a fucking massive vendetta against Sam Warburton as he doesn't like him for reasons like can't really understand to be quite honest probably because he, unba- um, he unbuttons his jacket when he sits down he, he, just, he won't have that shit yeah sorry to the various people who sent that into us um because i can't find you because i'm hopeless um but yes various people said that um good for me 
Do you remember Santiago Cordero? St. James Lamb. Yes, I remember it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Uh, if you've forgotten that the most exciting player from the Rugby World Cup 2015 signed for Exeter last de- last season, I don't blame you because I certainly fucking did until I well, saw Well, he wasn't name. exactly the Santiago Cordero we know last season. He was easing his way because yeah. he came in quite late, didn't he? He came in mid- he came in, in like January or February, yeah. Um, but honestly, like if he's get- going to get game time this season, delighted because when it's firm ground and warm weather, he's just an absolute joy. He's a wonderful player. Still, that that World Cup when him and Juan Emoff just suddenly appeared oh, out of nowhere it was beautiful. But like one thing I will say, I don't think a player of his size and qualities is particularly suited to the English winter. <laughs> and so, like you know, cold, driving rain, waterlogged pitches. Nobody. He, he shouldn't have. It's beneath him. He shouldn't have to demean himself to that. So I think Rob Baxter should sort of like put him in a box with some newspaper in his garage and just sort of let him hibernate like a tortoise until the weather gets warm again. A few, sl- few pieces of lettuce in there for exactly. him. Exactly, it's fine. You know, he'll basically just go into a sort of weird coma and then hopefully he'll wake up. As opposed to a normal coma, a weird yeah. one. Yeah. Um, Alvaro got in touch on Twitter. Mm-hmm. He said that shit, that these are linked together, so I will say it, shit was Pierce Francis showing his international credentials once again. Um, <laughs> But good was Jake Poledry with an absolute textbook handoff into Piers's face at one point during that game. Yes, <laughs> glorious stuff. Um, yeah, good for a couple of people have said good is the uh, the Premier Sports coverage of uh, of the Pro 14. It's, it's nice to see somebody making a big deal about it, even if it does all feel a bit homogenised now. And and on the whole, I thought they did a pretty good job. Yeah, as much as you have to pay for it and all that, I suppose it is their biggest show in town. So it is nice to see. We made the point, conversation earlier about how good the league is and stuff and how it's done down a bit. Them actually making a big deal of actually this is our flagship product. Yeah. Is probably a good thing. Yeah. Um, My final good, and it wouldn't be fair if I didn't mention this, and it's amazing that I've managed to last this long. George Bloody North. Yes. Honestly, the Ospreys, for the most part, were fucking rank against Edinburgh. <laughs> like the defence was had a good game, uh, but the forwards were fucking anemic in attack, and the backs were just obviously trying to. They're a work in progress still, obviously because they've got a new backs coach and half the new players are new. So, but then fuck, thank fuck for Big George. Two tries on debut in a game where we only scored seventeen bloody points at home and somehow still won is fucking priceless. And the way he took him, God, he looked himself again. He looks like yeah. he's. Um, he looks in better nick to me. He looks trim. He looks in skeleton he, nick. Yeah, yeah. He, looks, he, he, he looks leaner and quicker and more agile than he has in years. And God, that's encouraging. Like I know we won't see much of him as I'd like in a black shirt this year, but when we do, he's going to be a game changer. And that's we haven't had a game changing wing in that kind of mould since Shane Williams, probably. So it's it's genuinely very exciting. Few more goods off Twitter. Sean Flynn got in touch. Said good was Matt Kavezic, yes, charging about the field like a man possessed. Good also Bernard Jackman's agent for getting paid how <laughs> much to do fuck all over a year is no mean feat. Um, Scott Beatty got in touch. Hello Scott, and he said good was Stuart Hogg's drop goal, and which brings about the first drop goal klaxon of the season. Oh yes. Uh, and also extra points for Stuart Hoggs, as we talked about on the preview last night, the new Chrome Dome. Unbelievably bad lid. 
just magnificent chrome though nothing um cammy black from our friends the scottish rugby podcast uh scottish rugby blog podcast did actually share a picture of Stuart Hogg from his Bebo or something. And he looked, oh, and he had, he had like, he looked just, he looked exactly like Jennifer Aniston. I was going to say, he did, he have the, did he have the David Beckham bangs? Kind of, oh, it looked like, it was very odd. It looked like Jennifer Aniston. What have we got? So we got last one from Twitter. Rich, Halka Rich got in touch on Twitter and he said, good, die young looking like, Looking like if Michael Ball hit the pies. <laughs> Hasn't Michael Ball already hit the pies? He, he has a bit. bit really, me. really hit the pies. I mean, you know, you know, there are certain things musically that when you hear them make you kind of physically angry. Yeah. Michael Ball's voice is one of those things. I, I completely with you there. The other thing He's... that makes me literally like, you know, like the back of your neck goes red and hot because you're so angry <laughs> is, is the song Galway Girl by Ed Sheeran. Oh, one of the most. On an elemental level, I cannot describe to you how much of a rage that song puts me into. It's 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 probably one of the worst musical crimes ever made. Let's be honest. It's despicable. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. Um, Should we move on to shit? We probably should, shouldn't we? Um, Where do you want to start with this? this I'll start with this cavalcade of shit. Ben Youngs. Yeah. Is there bad. a technically worse passer of the ball <laughs> for a scrum half anywhere in the league or any league? I he mean, is f- honestly, how could it still be so it. bad? Surely he must, be, there must be one. There must be some that are worse. Okay. In a Highlander kind of way. But yeah, he was. He was how can right, he still be so bad? Maybe that's right why Matt being... Connor's got sacked. It's like you've had him for two years. He still can't pass. <laughs> he still Fuck can't off. Fucking pass Get the out. Ball. No, it's a problem. He started writing his full bad Ben funk, didn't he? Which usually doesn't hit until at least the end of October. <laughs> the bad Ben funk. I like that. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good name for a band. It is, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, he's so bad. And I mean, even when, I mean, things weren't going, but when you're not going well anyway, and then you've got George Ford losing it, and then you've got the ball coming out slower than a a snail who's off his head, who's, you know, had too much weed, then it's yeah. basically not good. Yeah, it's an equally shit, to be honest with you, and it brings me no pleasure, but fucking hell, Manny Tuilagi. Yeah. Like, I really hope the reason that he looked so bad on Saturday is he's massively demotivated and he's not really near peak fitness because if not, oh boy, that is fucking sad. I think he's trying to run in full speed anymore in he case just, something snaps. He looks, he looks so leaden and so pedestrian. Like trying to get around the park, he was so off the pace. And you look, he just couldn't keep... Exeter's back plays very quick, don't get me wrong, but he just could not keep up with them. And like he's had so many injuries, you really hope they're not taking their toll, sort of psychologically or physically. But God, it sort of looked like it, didn't it? Hmm. Uh, my main shit, though, and the, the primary underlined with with exclamation points on either side of it, shit is uh, Northampton's Twitter try celebration v- videos, uh, in which they're all posing with tools. They're all posing with James Haskell. Pachumpa, hey! yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, they're all posted with power tools. As a oh, because of Tool Station. Yeah. yeah, sponsored by Tool Station. So you've got, you've got what's his face? Uh, you've got Courtney Laws with a nail gun. 
and you've got Piers Francis sort of drawing a a sort of sort of saw thing, electrical saw thing, like it's and a, looking slightly he's, demented, like he's like a horror he's film, Zorro, like he's Zorro, and you know it's just you've got Harry Malander walking Harry forward Malander. with two with with a, with an impact driver and a combi drill, yeah, and yeah. one. You've never seen anybody who looks less likely to understand the difference between an impact driver and a combi drill than Harry Malander, have you? Let's be honest. He doesn't put any shelves up, let's be honest. Never. Well, no, he's, he's literally never touched them before in his life. I mean, he's, the he's... poor fuckers, though. They're obviously told to do this, aren't they? You just think, the oh, you that, poor bastards. The thing that I'm delighted about, though, is that Dan Bigger has clearly gone into that room. Because Dan Bigger's one yeah. is just is walking towards the camera with his hands behind his back. Which says, which says to me, the director of the photo shoot has come up to him and gone, Dan, would you like to hold a power tool? And he's told him to get fucked. <laughs> Not and, a fucking chance, but. <laughs> and I, if I didn't love Dan Bigger enough before, I love him a little bit more for that now. Um, it's terrible. It's, it's almost as bad as Heinrich Brousseau's introduction to Premiership referees. Because <laughs> it's six penalties you gave Six penalties. Six. <laughs> and everyone's going, what a signing this lad's going to be. Yeah. Fantastic yeah. signing. <laughs> well, this is why, um, oh, what was it, the Bok coach? And he had that was... horrendous knock-on as well, didn't he, when he, he was out in the open? What was the name of the Bok coach that was like two Bok coaches ago whose name was just Jake White. Jake White why he wouldn't pick him because he said that he wouldn't get on with Northern Hemisphere referees. And lo, <laughs> apparently he was correct about something. Um, and it was brilliant because like, they'd all been whacked about how wonderful he was. Yeah, and he is. Let's be honest, 2009 Lions Tour. Yeah, he's a talented not, lad, yeah. But... He's a huge, wonderful breakdown exponent in 2009. Now, not so sure. It's not looking so good, is it? Um, other shits... Tom Homer, mate. Tom. <laughs> Born in two hands, Tom. Born in two hands. I um, they lost, Bath lost that game by less than a converted try, don't forget. So. He's still on his fingers on the ball. It's how do you define holding? No, to be fair, yeah. I'm, I'm reaching now. But yeah, it's a, a bit like he was. Opportunity! Yes, right. yeah. <laughs> uh, what else have we got? While we're on Northampton, David Pritchard got in touch. I'm never sure if it's Pritchard or Pritchard. I work with somebody called Pritchard, Pritchard who says it's Pritchard. So David Pritchard says, surely shit is Saints' first hit out after spending loads on players and bringing in a new coach. You have to only yeah. hope it's a gelling problem. It's a work in progress, I think, with Saints. I don't think they're as bad as they were on the weekend, but it, it would be quite funny if they were. Uh, Oliver um, McGrath said the same thing as well. Shit was Saints. Start as you mean to go on, I suppose, he says. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Ben Cisnos, Cisnos, I'd say Cisneros, that was. Cisneros, yeah. Uh, shit, the number of air miles clocked up by Matt Tamua, Talofa Pelota now, Jan Figalo and Francois Lowe in the past week prior to... Yeah, all those fuck, poor fuckers having to go off and play. They were playing in the Rugby Championship last week. They had to come back, play a Premiership game, and now they're going to fuck off for the Rugby Championship again. That's fucking ridiculous. That's madness. In genuine insanity, what the fuck are their clubs thinking? Really? Now, Colin McBride gets in touch and he says that shit. And please, you are. I'm glad you can't see this, ladies and gentlemen. But Josh is sitting down, and I'm glad that he is because yeah. Matteo Minotti has got a serious looking injury. No, it's fucking awful, isn't it? It broke my like. I just saw the words Matteo Minotti season-ending injury, and I just I had to have a little moment. I'll be honest with you. Just was this just Robin Joy form tear rolled down Josh's cheek as he gazed into yeah. the distance? Just thought about those side steps again, you know. <sighs> yes, 
What's the point? Let's just cancel the season. Fuck it. What's the point of the Six Nations or anything if we're not going to see what Mateo's doing 14 sidesteps in a completely empty bit of park and then getting bounced (laughs) off a prop? It's not worth it. It's not worth going on. I'm not. I'm done. I'm done. I'm out of here. Anyway. Here's, here's funny. Phil Jones got in touch and sent this prior to the news about Matt O'Connor. Yes. And he said, shit, was the Tigers' performance versus Exeter? Yeah, no shit. And Matt O'Connor saying they needed another 80 minutes of pre-season. Because <laughs> that would have solved it, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so he's literally just said, I just need one more game. You're not yeah, fucking having it. <laughs> <laughs> That's he's amazing, basically, Basically, in his by his logic, then they signed him just they sacked him just before the first game of the season. You yeah, know? basically, that, he's like, yeah. <laughs> that's the best. Um, shit but for imagine me. Imagine, can you? Oh, pl- yeah. please, boys! I just need another eighty minutes. Please, come on, no. do it for no. old Gill. What eighty minutes? <laughs> Didn't we have some good times? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we fucking didn't. No, <laughs> um, shit for me. And uh, there are a lot of being said about this, but shit for me is. Nicky Gonover being a bit too clever for his own good. Yeah, yeah. go on then, carry on. Just before trying, I weigh in with what that, I'm going to say. Go trying on. that kind of like quick-thinking bit of gamesmanship is all well and good, but it's a bit self-defeating if your subterfuge also fools the ref. And like, it doesn't matter if he did or didn't touch it down for me. The ref blew his whistle, and as such, sat, you know, sorry to play into the whistle. You can't give a try in those circumstances. No. It was, it was and, more, it was more temp, uh, the... Weird well, he, reason he gave for for it. Well, yeah, Tempest shat the bed. You know, let's be honest. He got the. It was the right decision ultimately because of what happened. But if he handled, he just handled it so badly. Talking about game value offences. Just say you fucking blew the whistle. Like truth is, he switched off when he saw Gonover going to dab the ball down. Stopped paying attention for a couple of seconds, and then absolutely shat himself when he realised what was happening. And didn't want to give a fucking try. Yeah, and he could have just gone, look, I'm sorry, I apologise, I've already blown the whistle. Yeah. You know, because refs refs must blow and know they're wrong all the time. Absolutely. Because they see it, they blow and they go, oh, that's probably not quite what I thought. Never mind, I've got to give it now. Because you can't go, oh, sorry, lads, carry on. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's kind of a, you know, it was probably a spur of the moment thing, although, you know, various wingers have been on Twitter saying, oh, they've always wanted to do that sort of thing. But like, if you were planning on doing it from a Gonover point of view, why not? If you're going to do something like cheeky and a bit deceptive, that's technically in the rules, but maybe not necessarily against the spirit of the game, just have a little word with the ref beforehand. You know, mm. just say, look. By the way, keep a close eye on whether I actually dab the ball down when it, if I'm covering the ball for a twenty-two, and don't blow the whistle unless I, you absolutely see me do it. All right? Because if you didn't, I could just run, couldn't I? One of the commentators on Saturday (laughs) during that game was saying, Sunday, sorry, was saying, um, you know, they they banned dumbing off the back of rooks. Yeah. Because they were saying it wasn't a real rugby skill that was really winning the game because you were kind of conning people. And I was Mm. like, I fucking fundamentally disagree with that. If a rugby skill as a defensive team is to not use your fucking eyes (laughs) to see if the balls come out then what no. on earth are you talking about? And actually, in this game now, in our game now, where it's commonly accepted that defence coaches are so fucking good, 
Yeah. And it's so hard to break down defences You need a bit of subterfuge. You, you need, need some a bit of that shit. And how yeah. is that, you know, oh, well, you know, you, you know it's, <laughs> if it's against the spirit of the game to make a defence think, I don't know where we go with that. <laughs> oh, it's pretty fucking bad, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, I think the, the real villain of the piece is Ian Tempest, but... Oh, you know, he, was, he was. I mean, leaving that aside, he was just finickety as fuck yeah, all really, the way through. It was a horrible game to watch, to be honest, because of that. Um, my final shit is just something that I feel very, very strongly about, and that is the continuance of Mark Robson. <laughs> well, I thought I thought I. I've not actually heard him this weekend, but yes, lucky <laughs> I thought I'd seen the back of that fucking absolute arse. And then I turn on bloody Ulster versus Scarlets and I realise that he's the fucking commentator for the Ulster version of, of Premier Sports. And it just made my heart sink because he's so bad. I mean, at least... And a part of me was like, oh, well, at least it's not... It's not Stuart Barnes with him. But then, you know what? That's that's just like, okay, at least I haven't got, you know, herpes and chlamydia. I've just got chlamydia. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm still not very happy about it. So what was he? Was it? And well, and, and, I didn't hear it. Well, let me guess. It's, it's Clayton Blum Blumortier. I can't think of his outside there I, now. Clayton <laughs> Blumortier. He's the blamange of the rugby field. He's moving around and taking over all the white blamange goodness of the rugby. That type of thing. Yeah, that massively that type of thing. And then you add next to it that they've got. Um, the greener than green behind the gills, fucking Andrew Trimble as his co-commentator, <laughs> uh, who is the most nakedly homerific and biased person <laughs> I've ever... We and us, constantly. And it's like, mate, I know you only retired in the summer and you're new at this, but dude, you've got to stop oh, saying we and us. Rob's must have had a fucking field there with Blade Thompson. Oh, yeah. The bleared, cutting through yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what? I tuned him out so much I didn't notice any of the things that he said because I was just at the I don't understand how he still gets work. Is, is it, um, do people, is, people think, oh, people must like that folksy thing he has going on. No. No, everyone, everyone wants to like mute him I think, forever. I think Premier Sports must think that people love that because they've employed both him and Eddie Butler. And it's like, how... Imagine the putting this. There's a lot you less put, offensive than Robson. He absolutely is, but he's still, you know, ridiculously fucking sing songy, bloody nonsense a lot of the time when you just wanted to talk about what's going on. But like, when you think, can you imagine if Premier Sports were to put the two of them on the same game? <laughs> say, say Robson doing the comms and Eddie Butler doing the. The co like a, a sing-songy, folksy, Celtic, they basically, folksy they basically, off, basically. They basically write Lord of the Rings. <laughs> with all the hey, nonny, nonnies and everything. With all, yeah, with all the with songs, all the, the lot. all the shit they took out from the films to its absolute improvement. <laughs> Why don't so, you yeah. sit down, Eddie Butler, son of the butler's boy? Well. <laughs> <laughs> seat. A seat. For sitting. Or is it? On it. I will. <laughs> oh, oh, I'll tell you what. I'll give you my 10 quid a month if you make that happen just <laughs> once. Just once so that I can just reach peak anger and then never have to get that angry again. Saint anger. Some kind of monster. Yes. Anyway, so... Um, 
Kurt Hammett in that film cracks me up, by the way. Some kind of monster. Metallica. You haven't seen it? One of the greatest rock documentaries. <laughs> Come on, guys. We don't need to waste our time with these arguments. <laughs> That's basically Kurt Hammett all the way through. <laughs> Kurt Hammett, who wasn't allowed to play on that album. <laughs> what, do do? What, do you do? what do you do, Kurt? I do the solo. <laughs> What, well, well, Kurt, we're not having any solos on this album, so uh, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. Lars Ulrich constantly chewing gum. You'd love. He wants his larynx break. Man. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Budgie, you know Budgie, man. <laughs> anyway, sorry, anyway. we veer off. Thank you very. I, I, it's a good job we had that tight five to keep it nice and short, isn't it? As we hit an hour and twenty minutes. Oh yes. Thank you, everybody. Welcome to the new season. Changes. Nothing much has changed. I'll speak to you all next week. Take, Take care. care Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.